0: Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and we are on episode 128. This is the last episode in our More Than Conqueror series. Today we are talking about the giant of perceived limitations versus the Lord of Heaven's armies. We've been at this for quite some time. And I am so thankful to God for each of the lessons that he has taught me through this series. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the previous episodes, I encourage you to go back. Uh, I do encourage you to start at the very beginning. We begin by talking through the text in 1 Samuel 17, where this Mondo man, uh, Goliath, is out taunting the Israelites and King Saul. And young David, he's not impressed. He looks at the giant. He acknowledges the giant, but he compares the giant to the Lord of Heaven's armies. That Lord of Heaven's armies who had been there for him, and even though he was young, his eyes were fixed on the God of the universe. The God who saw all things. The God who knew all things. And the God who controlled all things. And David looked at the comparison. He looks at the giant named Goliath. He looks toward heaven And he calls out this giant and he just flat lets him know, you know, who are you to stand there and defy the armies of the living God? Now, what is especially interesting is David's older brothers, especially like his oldest brother, was right there seeing the same giant. But the problem was when his brothers saw the giant, and when King Saul saw the giant, and when all the rest of Israel's army saw the giant, they saw him in comparison to what they considered their perceived limitations. They compared the talents, abilities, strength that they thought they had, and they compared it to this huge man. That had all these, let's just imagine going back to high school and he was he was the jock and he had this letterman jacket and he had stripe upon stripe and patch and all this kind of stuff. He had a, a football helmet. We're going to talk about a football analogy here in a moment, but he had one of those football helmets that you've probably seen where they've got stickers all over it, which means that he has earned every one of those. That's the type of giant that was staring down and yelling at Israel's armies. And here David's brothers, here Saul, who was ahead above the rest of them. They all looked at that giant and looked at what they considered their own limitations and went, not doing it, not even going to risk it. But David looked at him, and instead of comparing Goliath to his perceived limitations, he compared him to his limitless God. If you get nothing out of my talk today, please begin to compare the giants in your life, whether it's the giant of grief, the giant of your past, or the giant of your perceived limitations, compare that to your limitless God. Will any giant stand? Absolutely not. One of my favorite scenes from any movie ever is the movie Facing the Giants uh, that came out from the Hendricks Brothers A few years ago. And there's one particular scene. So if you've ever seen the movie. I can't imagine. How you would ever forget. What's called the death crawl scene. So in the show notes below. You're going to see the link to it. On YouTube. It's a short clip. But to set it up. So. um, Did I say Hendrix? The Kendrix Brothers. Sorry. Uh, When you. When you go look at the clip, you're going to see the football coach. Okay, so you're going to see the football coach, and he's facing off with his, he's a practice, and he's got his players in front of him. Well, he's got this big dude who should be one of the leaders of the team, but you can tell that this young man has perceived limitations. So they're talking about the game that they're supposed to be playing and somebody asks how good they are. And the young man just automatically says, well, they're better than us. So you can see that he has set himself up for failure. And sadly, he's one of the leaders of the team. So you can see where this is going to go down. And so they've done the death crawl, which the death crawl is you have a player and you have them on their hands and feet facing down like you would like a, a a lion crawling and you put another player on their back um, facing up. And so they're back to back. And so what the coach does is This young man says, Well, I think I can get to so and so where I think the 30 yard line. And the coach says, I think you can get to the 50. But what the coach does is he blindfolds him because he doesn't want him to have in his mind, This is, this is only how far I can go. So that's all the effort I'm going to give. No, he wants to blindfold him so that he cannot see. He cannot come up with perceived limitations because he cannot see going forward and so he starts crawling and he starts crawling and it gets harder and harder and it's burning and it's burning and the coach keeps yelling and yelling encouragement encouragement encourage keep going keep going keep going keep going and finally coach says just one more step just one more step and the young man falls over and he's like I gotta at least be to the 50 yard line and he takes the blindfold off And instead of making it just halfway down the field, he's made it all the way. It is one of the coolest motivational clips that I personally have ever seen. Do you need a blindfold? Do you need just a moment to have your physical eyes blinded So that God can open up your spiritual eyes to the life that he has for you. Today we are talking about the giant of perceived limitations. And we're going to use a very familiar story. We're going to talk about, we're going to read through fairly quickly, but we're going to talk about Moses. So at the time that... This story was said, it's in Exodus 3, one through 4.17. You've got Moses and Moses, so Moses was a small child with a little baby. And he ended up in Egypt to protect him because all the little Israelite babies were going to be killed. And so he's raised up in an Egyptian household. And so he's not been on the scene in Israel for many, many years. He's not known by the people. This is where we're coming from. And so at the beginning of three one, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. This is the famous burning bush story that most everybody has heard, whether they are a follower of Christ or not. They have probably heard about the burning bush. Moses stared in amazement, as would any of us. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So, so far, this is going well for Moses. Like Moses is tripping out because this is so far beyond anything that he could have asked or imagined. And now it's about to change. The plot line is about to come through because God did not give him this miracle for miracle's sake, just so he can go and say, I saw a bush that was burning and didn't burn up. No, God did this in order to get his attention in a major way so that he could give him the job that God had ordained for him. But just like Moses We struggle with the giant of perceived limitations. And you're going to hear Moses over and over again share with God, the limitless God, the perceived limitations he has for himself. Verse 7, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Israel. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. So, so far now God has told him, Hey, I have seen what has happened to my people, my Israelite people. They are in Egyptian bondage. I, I, I'm not pleased with what's going on, and I am going to take care of that. So Moses is listening to the message. Right now the message is God is going to take care of things. But verse 10 is when we've got a plot twist. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. Whoa, 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 whoa. That didn't say that God was going? Who's going? God is telling Moses to go. What do you think is going through Moses' mind? Now, we, we haven't gone into all the details. Some of you know the background of Moses. and But I can promise you, Moses is not used to hearing from the God of the universe, number one. Definitely not in a way like this. And he's not used to getting commands. And he's not in any way, shape, or form, going to be excited to go back to Egypt. When he left Egypt, he was a wanted man because he had killed an Egyptian for hurting, well, for abusing an Israelite. It says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So at the moment, I pretty much know that Moses is probably just dumbstruck. He is just staring. He's staring at the burning bush, but he's probably going, this is not for real. Verse 11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Do you hear those limitations that he is placing? He's placing limitations. God is saying, you're to go. And Moses immediately looks at himself instead of looking at the limitless God and says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So first... Who am I? That's his first question. Who am I? Do you have who am I limitations that you place on a God's assignments? God tells you to go to your neighbor and you're like, who am I? Who am I to go talk to them? Who am I? And then the next is, who are you? <laughs> like, he's like, what do I say your name is? And verse 14 says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. And in other translations, I'm trying to pop it up here so that I can see it more clearly. But God is giving him the strongest name for himself. In other words, he is the embodiment of all there is. So it's either I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. But it is the fact that he is all that is necessary for Moses, for life, for everything. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the a bunch of ites, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, now live. The elders of Israel will accept your message. So he's got guaranteed success here. Moses is like, who am I to go? Then who are you? And then God not only tells him who he is, that he is all that there is, but he is the God. But then he says, you're guaranteed success. Now go and call to get, like, they're going to accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the God, the Lord, the God of Hebrews, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, so please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last, he will let you go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. We start with chapter four, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? God's already guaranteed him success. God has told him, if you will go, they will accept your message. And this is what is going to happen. But all Moses is thinking about is his limitations. The limitations that he has placed on who he is, And sadly, on who even God is and what God is capable of, because God is saying they are going to hear you. They are going to listen to you. And Moses is saying, but what if they won't believe me or listen to me? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied, throw it down on the ground. The Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses gra- reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into the shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform the sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was as white as snow. With the severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak. And the Lord said, so Moses put his hand back in and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River, pour it out on dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses, so we get back to the but Moses, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. So first, his perceived limitation is in his personhood. Who am I? Who am I to go talk? Who am I? And then in, who are you, God? Like, wondering about limitations of himself or wondering about limitations of God, wondering, will they possibly listen to me? Will they even believe me that you sent me? And then now he's just flat saying, you know, I, I can't talk. Like I'm not good with words. I get tongue tied him forgetting who gave him the ability to speak in the first place. So he's, telling God of his limitations, and he's telling a limitless God of the limitations that he perceives that he's got that are, of course, not true limits. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. After all of his excuses, what do we finally hear come out? We hear that Moses just doesn't want to go. It took a lot of excuses to get to the place God has responded, God has been so patient with him, but Moses eventually just says, I don't want to go. Lord, please send someone else. Please send anyone else. And the fact that God was so patient with Moses is such an encouragement. Because as we listen to the story of Moses, do you hear yourself in it? You know, when has God told you to go? And you've came out with, but who am I, God? I can't I can't I can't. And you've come out with your perceived limitations. We'll finish this out. Verse 14, then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say, and take your shepherd's staff with you, And used it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. And we see that that is how it begins. That Moses finds his voice. Moses is an iconic leader of the Israelite people. But he gets off to a shaky, shaky, shaky start. He had no idea the plans that God had for him. The fact that we would be talking about him all these years later. How about you? What are God's plans for your life? And what perceived limitations have you placed that are that are keeping you from being all God created you to be? Our extra focal verse for today is Ephesians 3:20, and it's one of my absolute favorites. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. The plans that God has for you are far beyond anything that you could ask or imagine. But you will never walk in those plans and accomplish all that God has for you as long as you continue to stare at the giant of perceived limitations and keep giving excuses to God as to why you can't do what God has called you to do and why you can't dream the dreams that God has for you one of my absolute favorite examples of someone who has extreme limitations but lives a life honoring a limitless God is an Australian evangelist I'm I really struggle with his last name his name is Nick Thuschwitz some I'm, I'm close I'm close on it I have put the information in the show notes below, a link to his website, which is Life Without Limbs, um, as well as one of the times that he spoke. uh, It was at the Rock Church. I think it was about nine years ago. You can find multiple of his um, speaking engagements on YouTube. But Nick was born without arms or legs. He has one little foot. And if you have not heard his testimony, if you have not seen him speak, you you just got to. You just have to. Because if there's anybody that I've ever seen speak that would have perceived limitations that most of us would look and agree with and go, you can't, you whatever it may be, and he's done it. In a lot of the clips, you see him swimming. He's a a husband. He's a father. But when he gets to heaven, the numbers of people who have come to Christ because Nick has lived a life without limits, He's not fallen prey to the perceived limitations, either perceived limitations that he had for himself or that others had for him. It's not been easy in any way, shape, or form. Growing up was challenging beyond measure, challenging because of how others treated him, challenging because of the the thoughts that he had himself you know, begging God for arms and legs. God, why did why did you make me this way? And yet he surrendered to God and God has accomplished more than any of us could have asked or imagined through him and continues to. Another person I want to point you to is Bob Goff. If you haven't heard of Bob Goff, I highly, highly recommend looking him up, checking out his books, checking out his website. I put the information below for the Dream Big Framework. Bob Goff is an inspirational speaker. He's a lawyer. He is a writer. He is someone who does not see the same limits that so many of us see. When I read his book, Love Does, back a few years ago, I've read it multiple times. But when I read it, I just sat with my mouth open because the things that he did that is recorded in the book, like, he just left me with no words because I was just like, who would even think (laughs) to try some of the things that he has accomplished. And yet God has used him in mighty ways, not only by the huge dreams that he has had for himself, that he has followed through on, but his big dreams have spurred the imaginations of so many others who are changing the world, and I mean the world. They are going to the uttermost parts of the earth, living a God life, living a life way beyond, like knocking down the giant of perceived limitations and watching God fulfill Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, within me, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. As part of this More Than Conqueror series, as we finish this up, my challenge to you, our weekly assignment, is to please ask God to show you in which areas of your life you are settling for perceived limitations instead of reaching for all he has for you. Just imagine how the story of Israel would have been different if Moses had been allowed to say no to God and to miss out on his god-given destiny god was patient with him but aren't you thankful he was because he's patient with us and sometimes god needs to do a little coaxing so he he tossed Aaron into the mix and Moses' brother Aaron was the spokesperson initially but as you read through the story of Moses and the Israelites you see that Moses was the person. Moses was the leader. Moses was the the mouthpiece. When it was all said and done, Aaron was along for the ride, but Moses stepped up. God just gave him the nudge that he needed. As we finish out our series on more than conquerors, Uh, my prayer is that you will, you will take each giant that stands before you and you will look at them in perspective, comparing them to the Lord of Heaven's armies. And that you will be emboldened to truly be a conqueror. A conqueror of your fears. A conqueror of your past hurts. A conqueror of that bitterness that's inside of you. A conqueror of all the giants that stand in your way. I just, as I, I sit here, when God laid on my heart to start this podcast, it just seemed such a crazy idea. I don't like to hear my own voice. I never have liked to hear my own voice, and I still don't listen to my own podcast, for that matter. I listen to the beginning, make sure it recorded, and that's it. I don't don't like to hear myself think, so I guess I do have something in comparison to Moses. But I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God said, do it. At the time, I didn't have enough money to pay for making the podcast. I spent the first six weeks on a free subscription, making sure that I kept it within 30 minutes so that I could get six weeks worth. And now we are 128 episodes into this. And I truly do not know how many lives have been changed. Well, beyond one. Because even if I am talking out in the cyberspace and there is not one person listening, there is one person who has been changed by my obedience. And that one person is me. I serve a God who is able through his mighty power at work within me to accomplish, accomplish infinitely more than I might ask or think. How about you? Are you ready to dream big? Are you ready to live a life without limits? Are you ready? to trust a limitless God and surrender to Him. Surrender each of those giants and allow Him to do through you and accomplish through you infinitely more than you can can ask or imagine. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Are you living a more than conqueror life? Are you displaying for your children? Are you displaying for your coworkers? Are you displaying for all those who are watching you? Are you displaying the life of someone fully committed to Christ? Or are you cowering? In the background, like Saul, David's brothers, the other Israelites, and just staring at the giant, refusing to move forward. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each person who is listening. Dear God, I do thank you that if there is not one person, not one person who listens to this podcast... Dear God, I thank you for the one person for sure that was changed, and that is me. Dear God, I thank you for this opportunity, but I know that there are others listening. And I know, dear God, that you are ordaining for more to listen. Dear Father, as I pour this out each and every week, I pray that you would accomplish infinitely more that I could ask or imagine. I pray, dear Father, that you would accomplish through each listener infinitely more than they could ask or imagine. Dear Father, this life is short, and with the circumstances in the world, the way it is at the time of this recording, it really makes me wonder just how short our time might be. But dear God, I want to finish my race running toward you. Not staring at any giants. Not cowering in fear. But truly fearing you and you alone. And living a life pleasing to you. Your will, purpose, and plan be done in Jesus' name. I pray. Would love for you to jump in our Facebook group, Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. The information is in the show notes below. And we will rejoin the text in 1 Samuel. Next week, we will jump into 1 Samuel 18. We spent the last few months on this little journey this sideline journey of more than conquerors. But now we're going to continue to look at the story of David, the story of King Saul, how their lives intertwine, the choices they made, the mistakes they made, as well as the victories that King David saw. I ask that you take a moment, number one, just to pray for me as I seek to, rightfully divide God's word? But do you also take an opportunity to share this podcast with others? It is free of charge and it's free to share. But don't you know somebody else who could be inspired by God's word, be inspired by the story of Moses, be inspired inspired by the testimonies? I think. God for the Kendrick Brothers and the Facing the Giant movies, the War Room movies, Courageous, and all the other efforts that they have done over the last few years to get the gospel out in creative ways. I pray that God will continue to work in and through them. They have a book on prayer, The Battle Plan of Prayer, that I was listening to this morning. There have been giants in their way, for sure. But look at what God has accomplished through them. The movie War Room. Nobody in their wildest dreams could have imagined what God did through that movie and the number of lives touched. Our job is to be obedient. God's job is to take care of the results. May we each live a more than conqueror's life. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day.